to the Workforce Connections podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the WC Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, my friend, founder and managing partner of Bon Jovi Law, Gina Bon Jovi. Gina, welcome. Thank you, Jaime, for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Can't wait to dive into this conversation. But first, tell us where you were born. I know that, but we want our listeners to know <laughs> where you were raised, when you went to school, college, uh, after college, and perhaps even your first job. It was kind of an easy answer because I was born and raised here in Vegas and have never left. <laughs> so I went to school here all the way through. I went to UNLV uh, for both undergrad and for a JD MBA and um, opened my practice here in 2008. Yeah. And, and just before the camera started rolling, I found out a little tidbit about you at UNLV. You were a star dancer. I mean, you love to dance. I didn't know that. We just found that out today. Tell us why you decided to stay here because a lot of people, you are one of those we used to call them rare, you know, oddities that were our uh, community leaders today and born and raised. A lot of people like me immigrate into Las Vegas. Why did you decide to stay to build your career and your family here? I mean, I guess that's a good question. So when I graduated, um, when I graduated from UNLV, I was uh, married at the time. And when I started my practice, it's it's difficult for attorneys to relocate because you have to take another bar exam wherever you go. And the bar exam was <laughs> a traumatic enough experience for me that I wasn't super excited about taking another one. Um, but this is a really, I mean, you live here, you've lived here for a while. You know that this is a really hard city to leave. Um, and even though I don't go to Walgreens at three o'clock in the morning, there's some safe like sense of security to know that I could. And if you just are patient, all the entertainers that you want to see will come through here. We have crazy dining options. There's golf, there's shopping. And I remember as a kid, when I would see the ads for, like in those glossy magazines, the ad for Chanel. And then you would see the the list of cities that Chanel had stores in at the bottom of the ad. And it would say Paris and Tokyo and New York. And then I remember when I was probably in, I mean, it was definitely in elementary school, I started to see Las Vegas be listed in there. And wow. the sense of pride I felt that like Las Vegas is starting to be one of those cities that people are, you know, just determining our is a destination. And then you've just seen it evolve from there. It's just amazing. That's so. awesome. I've never heard that. Um, angle and i love it how when big brands um show the select cities where where they want to say they're at las vegas is right there that's really cool and then who would have known i'm sure when you were in elementary school uh that you would have an nfl franchise one day and an nhl yes. franchise yeah. world champion women's and, and uh WNBA team oh. and more now more coming here it's uh, crazy to see. And that happened so fast. It did. Like I heard Steve Hill talk. He was like, I think he said it was a seven-year evolution from the very first conversation when everybody thought it was a pipe dream to actually getting tickets and being able to show up to these games. It's just nuts what we've managed to accomplish as a city. It sure is. And it's amazing because this city defies the odds, every recession, even the worldwide pandemic. Today, shortly after it, I think revenues on the Strip are the highest they've ever been. Uh, but also I think, in the sense of when we do something new, like the NHL, when it was uh, made public that we were going to have an NHL franchise, uh, I think more than half the people much more doubted it would ever be successful. They said in the desert, in this heat, and that arena is filled every time. The excitement of the town rallying around it, a second arena in Henderson, practice arenas with now hundreds. We had um, 
Kerry Bubbles here the other day, oh, yeah. and he was talking about the impact of the community oh, yeah. uh, beyond the the you know the NHL and AHL teams that go on the ice, but the the thousands of young kids now who are benefiting from them being here. It's a tremendous impact. Yeah, and I'm looking at people that I grew up with who now have kids that are playing hockey. Like that would never have been a thing when I was growing up. People are like, oh, my kid's going to play hockey. Like, what are you insane? Where they? There's one rink in town, or maybe two. Now there's there's so much more opportunity for kids to get involved and just the community impact. And I love the stories of when the nights before they got here in Carrie Bubbles, there was a story that I don't remember where I read it, but he met with the head of security for T-Mobile Arena. And his question to the head of security was, how can we be a good community partner? So he came in and really the team came in and it, they really did put their money where their mouth was as far as being authentic in we want to be a good community partner. We want to set a good example and then when you listen to the, what the Formula One is planning, they want to be a good community partner. They don't want to tax our water supply. They don't, they, they're trying to, and then they want to set a good example for everybody that comes behind them. So it's just raised the bar in a way that I really never expected. Yeah, this town is amazing. So uh, Gina, you and I met at the Vegas Chamber. Seems like a long time ago now. Uh, you know, you, and then all of a sudden you were at that time the, the chair elect. So your term was coming up. And then, of course, you roll in there a worldwide pandemic and everything thing to go to a different uh, speed in our lives. But your term was over like this. Uh, we went to D.C. And, and your term. And by the way, you say like in D.C., I always think about us Las Vegans in D.C. having a cocktail. And then that those famous words come out last call, as you said earlier. Right? And we're always like, we're like what does that mean? Right? What yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the Vegas Chamber has been a tremendous leader in aligning workforce development, our system, to the, the needs of businesses in our community. In other words, our economic development efforts to grow businesses. Why, why do you believe or what do you believe the role of the business community should be in shaping the talent pipeline and the investments we make in workforce development here? I mean, the business community is an inherent component of that. And the business community needs to, you know, has and needs to definitely tune into those conversations and and I'm I'm a product, one of the the big examples that I can point to, and I'm a product of it, is when I was under the understanding that um UNLV was hearing from community leaders that UNLV was churning out uh specialists in their fields, particularly in um hotel, in uh dental, the dental school, and in the law school. But those people didn't really have enough of a business sense. So UNLV said, okay, their answer to that was pairing an MBA with each of those. And I, that happened right as I was deciding I didn't want to be a lawyer when I grew up, which was halfway through law school. So my timing was impeccable. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went and got the JD MBA so that it, it created a more well-rounded experience, you know, educational experience that informs the advice I give to my clients today. So when the business community, because lots of times higher education and workforce development, there can't be a chasm in between the needs and the supply. So there has to be a level of communication between those two so that as we're developing the right workforce, because we could develop a, you know, a phenomenal workforce for the wrong city, you know, and it's like when, and I know Tina Quigley has been on, on your podcast before when she talks about her role at the LVGEA and attracting industries and making sure that we're not attracting industries that are going to tax our water supply or making sure that they're, they're doing it in a conscientious way. Well, we also don't want to develop a workforce that doesn't match the industries that we're trying to attract. That's so true, Gene. And again, the, the Vegas Chamber is really uh, putting their money where their mouth is, as they say, because they were the first 
chamber in the nation to host an American Job Center, as you know, the Employee MV Business Hub inside the chamber, that again, not only allows the, the business members and the business in the community uh, at large to have a voice in what the development of the talent pipeline is, but it also brings resources to those members to be able to help with hiring, recruitment, which a lot of times can be a big burden on small businesses. Talking about a small business again and your clients, as we were doing our research on you, we found out that when you started your marketing company, the story says, you know, that you couldn't find a lawyer to help your small business. And so hence uh, a dream was born of a boutique firm that would help, uh, you know, small businesses uh, expand and grow and with their legal needs. So I want you to tell us a little bit about Bon Jovi Law and what does boutique mean to you and what are the services that you provide to these uh, small businesses? Happy to. But first, I wanted to commend Employee Envy and you in particular, Workforce Connections, because I had a client who was moving from Hawaii, having to set up a production facility here, which means kind of, you know, employees at all different levels from management to, you know, assembly line. Ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. Um, amazing ice cream, by the way. Uh, and so I, I connected the client with you and they managed to hire, I think in one weekend, everybody they needed right out of the gate, which in the times we're in now is not an easy thing to do. And then I checked in with them a couple of months after they got everybody hired and they started working. And they said that they can't, they are so delighted with the team that you helped them put together. That is not what I'm hearing from a lot of other clients. So I am, I just have to commend right. you guys, Workforce Connections and Employee Envy just for, for helping out small businesses. And, and the thing, you know, one of the chief things that we do is as Bon Jovi Law Firm is less about the legal advice and it's more about connecting people with the resources and making sure that we know what's out there so that when some, because when you, especially when you move here from another state, how are you going to know who, what sort of incentives there are, what sort of resources there are? So we are kind of the, no pun intended, the connectors, make sure that those, those business, businesses are getting the resources they need. And how does somebody find uh, bon Jovi Law. I mean, obviously, uh, today everybody knows how to Google it, but we want to put it here on the screen. What is the the easiest way? Your website, your social media? Probably the website. So Bon Jovi is B-O-N-G-I-O-V-I law.com. Um, I thought about naming it something else just so I don't spell my name every time. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, we provide services to small businesses on basically from for the entire life cycle of a business from somebody who's got an idea percolating in their head and how do they best frame it so that they can, you know, it could be most advantageous talking about what the goal is for, you know, the exit in the company and kind of everything in between. Um, we do a lot of M&A, which is short for mergers and acquisitions, which means business sales and purchases. Um, so I've got probably six deals right now. I've got a couple of sellers I'm representing, a couple of buyers I'm representing. That's probably my favorite stuff to do because it's very dynamic. That's cool. And, and Gina, um, if you've seen us on your, you know, social media, don't don't think we're stalking you. We were just doing some research on you, but uh, I'll bring in. We've learned that you're a great. You love movies. You love animals. You love wine. But the movie, uh, The Godfather, had a character in Robert Duvall, uh, and he, he was a consigliere. Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so again, we found this little bit of info that uh, you serve as a consigliere, and. Uh, Except considerably less violence, is what you said. You know? So uh, that movie was too violent. So um, break down that term for us. Uh, how how does that term inspire you, and how does it uh, manifest itself every day with your clients? Sure. So consigliere is uh, Italian for counselor, um, and so Robert Duvall's character for anybody who hasn't seen The Godfather, which I'm looking at you, Bobby, because <laughs> he has yet to see The Godfather. So that's 
homework. Bobby, that's on me. You gotta watch the Godfather. <laughs> you gotta see the Godfather. Um, so if you notice, Robert Duvall was not in the family. He wasn't even Italian, but he would sit in the back of the room and he would listen to the conversations that the family was having about getting into drugs, getting into like what, and then he would weigh in, you know, offer his advice and then the family would take it or not. And that's where we find ourselves in a lot of conversations where we are, you know, with the C-suite, with the owners, with the executives in a company, and we're brainstorming strategy. And then we can offer our advice from a legal perspective. And and we're, I like to think we're well-rounded enough to to comment on things like marketing and strategic planning and things like that as well. Um, but we are sort of that counselor for for those decisions as the business goes, because a business owner is making decisions probably dozens a day that they may not even be aware of. And our job is to sort of not, I mean, this is, I guess this is kind of what we do is insert ourselves into those conversations and make sure that the business owner is, is considering all of the, taking a more holistic approach to yeah, making those decisions. That's how you add value. When I think about that movie, I always remember that part about kissing the ring. Oh yeah. You guys don't do that. Oh right? God. No. <laughs> and I'm allergic to cats. So oh. we can't, we don't have like the cat thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there is dogs as we're going to find out here in our research. Again, all these uh, bits of info we found about you is that you uh, love dogs, really all animals, uh, wine, shoes, uh, yoga, uh, all these things. So, uh, oh, and also uh, cooking, hiking, spending time by the ocean. That's a lot of amazing stuff you love, Gina. So uh, tell us uh, the order in which those priorities fall in place. When you do get to go away or plan some time away from helping your clients, does all that have, get squeezed into a weekend, a week? How do you manage to do all this fun stuff? <laughs> it's very difficult to squeeze all that stuff in, but I try. So we do, I mean, We've got we've got a condo in Bryanhead we bought like a year ago, which is great because we can pack the dogs up and you know throw some food in there and head up there and just chill out for a little bit. Um, I got back into skiing after I think I shouldn't say this because I'm going to date myself, but about 30 years. Um, <laughs> it is also not like riding. You a quit bike. when you were five or something. <laughs> <laughs> that <didn't> work. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's also not like riding a bike. Um, wow. But yeah, I love the ocean. Um, I love scuba diving. I took up scuba diving uh, probably God, 10 years ago now. Have you gone with Mary Beth and Alex? Because they like scuba diving. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, my God. You gosh. guys need to plan a trip. Yep. Wow. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. So snow, scuba diving, the ocean. What else? Uh, love to cook. So any chance we get to to do that, we Italian pretty busy. Mostly Italian. I'm mostly comfortable with that, but I'll venture out and you know see if something is successful in another cuisine. <laughs> what about this hiking? Where do you go to hike? Um, well, I was uh, I haven't been so much lately um, because that's one of the the byproducts, which is a great byproduct of of the pandemic. Was people discovered that we have all these amazing mm -hmm. you know natural resources here in Nevada, especially Red Rock Canyon, which I would go to, and I had my little hidden like here's the parking lot. But if you drive another half a mile deeper in, and then instead of taking the trail, you go down the riverbed. That was my my favorite thing. But now everybody's found out about it, so <laughs> I have to go find more hidden trails okay. to go hike. <laughs> okay, and uh, if you had to pick an ocean because you love. Uh, walks by the ocean, spending time by the ocean, which beach or which city would you go to? So Laguna is probably my favorite one. Um, although truthfully, the reality show Laguna Beach kind of ruined the community a little bit. It was more like a sleepy, you know, community. And then it became a little, yeah. a little too bougie for my taste. <laughs> but um, but I love the Caribbean. You know, mm -hmm. there's the calm waters in the Caribbean and the yeah. clarity is the visibility, especially diving and snorkeling is crazy. I love Hawaii, of course. It's always a good one. What is that place in Hawaii where anybody can go scuba diving? You get the fish. Uh, 
It's got a Hawaiian name. I can't think of it. Not Hanama Bay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bay, yeah. yeah. Right? Where you can... So you just snorkel. Oh, yeah. yeah snorkel, so we did right? that. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So I think I've done that three or four times in my life. And when I did it the first time, you just sort of pull up, park the car on the side of the road, you know, throw on your flippers if you've got them in your snorkel and go. And now it is pay to play. You go in, you sit in a theater, they teach you about, which is wow. great. They teach you about the natural resources, not to disturb the coral, not to mess with the fish. Okay. People have to be told that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you can go, you know, actually oh, set up camp. I have to, I have probably been there long ago because that wasn't part of my yeah. experience, but it's probably a good thing. As yeah. good. So uh, Gina, you've accomplished a lot in your life already. Uh, you know, again, uh, not only did you found and start a business, but you've been the the chair already of, of the largest chamber in our state. I know you continue to advocate, uh, you know, everywhere you can. I mean, uh, you're always volunteering your time, uh, plus, again, helping your clients. So what advice would you give young girls who uh, want to one day become a business owner or a community leader like you? Oh, that's a heavy one. Um well, I got some I got some bad advice early on. So when I um I was halfway through law school, one of the professors said, "Here's what your life is going to be like as a new lawyer." And just based on my upbringing and the people I was exposed to as a kid who were lawyers, I thought every lawyer had their own practice. So I lived a very sheltered childhood. <laughs> I didn't understand that there were these like giant firms and you're kind of a cog in a wheel in a lot of ways. And that was the life that this professor was describing. And I thought, this is not at all why I went to law school. I went to law school to start my own practice. Um, and so when I got out of law school, I had a job. It was definitely a story for another time. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious. Um, it was like a Saturday Night Live episode. <laughs> but wow. um, it's, uh, And in that, I said, okay, I, this is not for me. I need to now start my own law firm. But back on the track, you know, I had this plan deviated from the plan, got back on track. And then I started polling or asking people who had their own law firms for advice. You know, how would you start? And they just, I think it was born out of not really wanting the competition, but it was like, you'll commit malpractice. You shouldn't do like, there were no resources. It was a very difficult thing. And I listened to them and I ended up making some decisions and working for people I really shouldn't have worked for and things like that. Finally ended up, you know, starting my own law firm and which by that point in time, it was 2008 which is a solid time to start a business working yeah. with businesses in wow. the hardest hit community in the entire country, but nowhere to go from there, but up is my philosophy. So it's, I think the, the piece of advice I have is as you're going out and seeking advice, understand that people have their own motivations. Human nature is that people will have their own motivations in the advice they give you. And that that advice may not always be purely in your best interest. And that sounds like, I mean, it is kind of a negative connotation. I'm trying to figure out a way to spin it where it's more positive. But um, but it's also kind of listening to your heart. If this is something that you want to do and you put your mind to it, you can get it done. And, you know, ignore the naysayers and ignore the people who are telling you you can't do it. And and move toward and surround yourself with the people who tell you you can and figure out ways to support you. I think that's great advice. Uh, uh, you know, it's based on confidence and belief in oneself, as as you said, Gina. Um, you know, I think that what you, when you were talking about the, um, if you will, the the success of this town earlier, uh, I I only think there's brighter days ahead. Uh, 
Yeah. And I'm I'm grateful that that we met and we work together now. Uh, we're preparing. Uh, Irene and I were the first to register. Paul Moroccan, that's for you, uh, for the DC <laughs> fly-in. <laughs> yeah, registers number one and two. Nice. So I know in a few months we'll be there again. Uh, what what do you see 2023 bringing uh, new and exciting for the Vegas Chamber and Workforce Connections as we uh, partner agencies continue to work together and step our, our partnership. Most recently, the Vegas Chamber added me to the yeah. Board of Trustees. First time a non-business is on the Board of Trustees, along with Tina Quigley from the LVGA. What do you would like to see us do together in the future? Well, I think there's just tremendous opportunity. It goes back to your earlier question about how the business community should be involved in workforce development conversations and how those workforce and how all of those different resources should be aligned in some way and working in concert with one another. Too often, there are you know, organizations that either look at similar organizations as competitors or as some, you know, siphoning away their resources or, you know, their clients or their donors or whatever. But it's really, it, we need to take a rising tide lifts all boats approach to these things. Um, so the fact that we're talking about different ways that we can partner in different ways, you know, we I was involved in conversations between the chamber and the LVGEA, like let's figure out where we excel and let's support each other in those you know, those missions so that we don't create any confusion in the community because it's hard enough navigating all of the resources that exist in the community, which is a great problem to have. There's a tremendous number of resources, but man, you don't know where to start most of the time, especially if you're a small business owner, busy running your business. And especially if you relocate here, which is the whole goal of economic development is to relocate industries here. So the more that these organizations like Workforce Connections and the Chamber and LVGEA can work together, makes it easier on the business community the people who are both currently here and the people who are coming here, because we know there's no wrong door. I can go to Jaime and I can ask a question. You're like, Hey, I'm not exactly the right person, but talk to Mary Beth. And Mary Beth can say, well, this is, we know this much about this, but you really need to talk to Tina. That should be the way we as a city, as a community offer this customer service to the business community. Well, that's a great challenge. And you have my commitment that we're going to work together to get there. Uh, Dina, I can't thank, thank you enough for being today here at our podcast. And, uh, despite all our best efforts during that research, we couldn't find that dark episode you started to explain there that's worth another episode. So I guess we'll have to come back. But thank you for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. So that's it for another episode of the WC Podcast. We hope to see you in the next one. Until then, stay safe.